When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of Deadline Dilemmas um, with me. My name is Rich and I'm also here with Praz. This is the very final, well, it's only our second one, but it's the final one before the actual deadline dilemma start next Thursday, which is literally going to be, I mean, it's less than 24 hours before the deadline when we do that next week. But how, how's your week gone, Praz? It's been great, actually. I was thinking um, that this week is exactly the proof of why this idea of doing pods on Thursday night works. Because look, we all podded on Monday. You did yours on Monday. I did mine on Tuesday. And then suddenly in a Wednesday game, what happens? Jesus is out. And Kunku is has a niggle, and then we're sitting on a Thursday. Let's say the deadline was Friday. This is exactly the type of stuff that we need, like a 40-minute, where are we, what's happened, and what are we thinking about before the deadline? So I like that from that point of view. I did not like the fact that we lost two good options, or potentially we lost two good options, which basically shrinks the pool and narrows down the template further. Yeah, it's made, because um, 343, when we recorded last week, that was starting to become a little bit more popular. People were starting to look at that. And then I think we can now see how paper thin the, the options at striker were because, yeah. you know, just losing one of them was bad enough, but losing, losing two strikers, one who's never played in the Premier League before, um, suddenly three, four, three, I don't think we're going to see many people going for that. I mean, it's uh, we need a Darwin Nunes hat trick in the last uh, pre preseason game. And speaking of preseason games, uh, I guess we should sort of tease out what we're planning to do today. So we're going to talk about eight teams, the eight teams that are sort of most popular. Uh, and um, maybe we're being a little bit unfair to Brentford and Aston Villa, but it's the other eight. And we'll just talk about what have we seen in preseason so far so that people have a idea of where the, the, the squads are moving. In certain cases, their preseason games are finished like Chelsea. In others, they have one or two games left. So again, what should we look out for in those things? And then in the end, uh, hopefully we'll have time, we'll discuss implications of the big news of Jesus being out for a few weeks and potentially Nkunku also not being ready for game week one. So that'll be the agenda. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, that, the whole agenda was going to be just going through the preseason games, but obviously we have to try and um, you know, squeeze that in. So I guess we'll get straight into it. Um, so you pulled um, these screenshots from Fantasy Football Scout um, from, the, from an article. I mean, there's so much preseason content on there, but it breaks down a list of all the friendlies that we've had so far um, for the eight teams that you mentioned. So we start with the first one that's on the screen. We start with Tottenham. Now, they've had a lot less preseason games than the others. They had a game postponed um, in Bangkok for a waterlogged pitch. So they've actually only played two games so far. Right. And obviously, there's all the speculation over Kane as well. So I didn't see many people with Spurs players in their team, though. 
uh, until Kane leaves, um, I think that that won't change. And uh, the fact that, I mean, they're a classic case of, like you said, two games. Everybody has played 45 minutes. Literally everyone's played 45 minutes. So we don't yet have an idea um, of who is in the thinking. I mean, you could have, you know, people are talking about uh, Udogi as a good option at 4.5. We don't know because he's only played 45 minutes each and shared time with, you know, somebody else who's played in that role. Perisic has played 45 minutes each, even though it's been up top. But I guess the only one of interest or the couple of interest are um, Richarlison, if Kane leaves, and Son, whether or not Kane leaves or not, could be interesting for that price, right? Yeah, well, because, yeah, their fixtures do get really good from, I mean, the first game week's not good, but when you get to, like, I think game week five, I mean, that's a really, that's a standout fixture. Maybe people will even be looking at captaincy then. Maybe not because of Haaland, but there's definitely, you know, some, some weight to looking at Spurs players for captaincy then. Um, and like you say, with two games, it's an even smaller sample size than the rest of the players. I mean, I think last season we'd have got very excited with Perisic playing playing in the front three, um, like like you alluded to. But right. I, I don't see him very regularly picked. I don't think he's really going to be one for my team either. So yeah, a lot of stuff does seem to pivot on what you know what happens with Kane. That does seem yeah, that seems to be the main one. I'm not really looking at any Spurs players. I mean, they have got Shakhtar. They still got a friendly left on August 6th. So that's Sunday, I believe, um, at home. So that'd be their third and final preseason game. Correct, correct. I mean, things, I guess, for people who haven't followed it as much, obviously, Postacoglu has come back with a four at the back formation, which is new for them. Um, so you'd expect that, you know, they'd have a flat back four. They're looking for centre-backs. At the moment, they're still running with Romero, Dyer, Ben Davis, Sanchez. Um, and so that's sort of not very interesting. But, up front, I mean, I missed obviously Madison. Now, what was interesting is obviously they play the 4-3-3, but there is a number 10 that sort of sits and, you know, you'd think that Madison gets that position. But Loselso actually has come back from loan and um, he's looked very good. So the, the sort of the, the homework that we did was, you know, it could be that Loselso gets some games because he looks like a man who would fit this system of a number 10 really well. And so that's one to watch that, you know, either in the preseason or even until game week five, as you mentioned. That what is that role of that number 10? Because there could be a lot of points in that position for some cheap FPL value. Yeah, I mean, I ha- we had to pick, you know, for Scout, um, our flops of the season. And I I found it really hard to pick one. And I must admit, I did say Madison. Then I was reading the match reports and he had six shots in one of the games. So it's, it's kind of one of those things I'd love if we had underlying data, even though it's a small sample. Because my, my assumption is, and I don't know if I'm right, would be that, you know, lots of low XG chances. I, I That's how I picture Madison. Right. But still, six six chances is interesting. So I think mm-hmm. we're just going to be monitoring them, see what happens with Kane. I heard Son was playing quite wide. Um, and they said That's what I were, heard like as well. But, you know, we can't sort of take these things on face value. But, yeah, a lot of people were saying Son has played right. I mean, he's got, I think, no returns, right, in preseason. But, again, we are discussing preseason more in the sense of what have we learned on formation and new things. Uh, but, you know, a player not scoring returns doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, the only standout, you know, for FPL points, as it were, was Richarlison got a hat-trick in 45 minutes. But, I mean, we've said small sample, and I don't know much about the team they were playing, Lion City tail- uh, Sailors, sorry, Lion City Sailors. Sailors. So, yeah, should we, should, we, should we move on to Liverpool? Let's do that. Yeah, I think this is the interesting one, because I think, especially, I mean, it happens, Darwin was benched before the Jesus injury, but I think if it was the other way around, Darwin would have become a player that was very, very popular. Obviously, they've still got a game, another preseason game to go. 
we're going to talk more about Jesus replacements later. I'm actually very tempted by Darwin. I was re there's there's an account on Twitter called Premier League Panel. I do find some of the technical breakdowns he does you know interesting. I've disagreed with some stuff he said about you know England and Southgate. Um, obviously I would, but that's the channel that predicted the the the, the Pep formation, right? The three two four one. Yes, that's the one. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, and he seems to think this 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 nine position at Liverpool is almost the way they're going to be playing is tailor made for Darwin, like with runs in behind. Obviously, it depends which formation they play. I like to believe that because I'd love to have Darwin in my team. I don't, I don't know if he's one you're considering. Yeah, so look, I mean, again, the the thing you mentioned on on the scouts um, uh, website. So yeah, you can basically check the minutes. And so what worried me, and this is completely random, maybe it's completely you know superficial, but the trend so far in the first three friendlies were forty five minutes each half. Every player gets some minutes. The last friendly uh, against Bayern Munich, some players started to get more than 45 minutes. And so that felt like these are the guys who are preparing for game week one. And the people who got more than 45 minutes, I did expect Salah, Van Dijk, uh, you'd expect Robertson, Allison. Um, but then, or Trent and Robertson, obviously. But then you had this section of players that are still being tested. So in that category, obviously, Luis Diaz got 45 minutes. Darwin Nunes got 45 minutes in the second half. Um, Gakpo got 61 minutes. So it just puts in, or where is Jota? Jota got 45 minutes as well. It just puts in my head the point, and Konate and Matip also, by the way, 45, that these are the guys who he's not sure about. And these are the guys who will be continue to rotate and continue to sort of be part of the periphery of the team in the top 13, 14 players, but not in the top 11. And that's the risk with Darwin Nunes. But, you know, you could, you could spin it two ways where you can say, He's fine even if he gets 30 minutes because now you'll have 10 minutes added on, on after the 90th yeah. minute anyway. So he's getting 40 minutes. Or you could just say that, you know, it's not worth the hassle. You've got you've got Ollie Watkins who's on penalties. Nkunku will be fit at some point. And so you could have the counter-argument as well. So I completely see it. I, I, I do think Darwin has good potential. It's a good point because when you were saying that, actually, it did get me thinking about the times Darwin started last season. He was still prone, you know, to being subbed off early. He's not, you know, he's not Salah. He's not, you know... A 90 or 100 minute man as it were so yeah there's definitely some risk there but there seems to be risk with all the Liverpool attackers unless you stump up that cash and go for Salah and that seems to be becoming less and less popular now correct 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 um, and and look in terms of in terms of formation so before we do a little bit of a Salah where are you with it um, I think again in terms of what we've seen a lot, there was some fears on Trent playing number six. I think you guys covered it really well, um, Seb, especially on in terms of you know how Trent has been moving as a number six. But in the latest game, it was Curtis Jones who actually played 75 minutes on the six. But then in terms of Trent, he was inverting, but nothing that you'd say was the old Trent, right? I mean, you can argue whether the inverting is a good thing or not, but he was inverting. So if that if that's what floats people's boat in terms of Trent being good, then he was doing that. And then in terms of um, central midfield, like I said, I think um, they haven't yet had a game where McAllister and Sabosla have got a lot of minutes. I think McAllister got 45, as I mentioned, Sabosla played 75, and Curtis Jones. And they will look to find transfer in a number six at some point, and Lavia has been mentioned. But that's really it in terms of formation. I think it's there to stay, right? This inverted setup and, and getting a number six. Yeah, this, this is the annoying thing. There seems to be a lot of teams where we're not that set on who's going to start, especially the bigger teams. It seems like a lot of teams are in, in some kind of trans transitional phase, probably Liverpool less than, less than others. 
it just seems to be because dark because Gakpo was added you know last season we've now got Darwin who he's been oh, I don't want to fall for the being given the sh squad number you know he was given number nine because Cancelo was given the squad number last year wasn't he and then he ended yeah. up you know going out on loan so yeah Liverpool I'm finding I'm are you quite set though on no Trent no Salah pretty set yeah set. i'm going that you said it you see you said it quite early as well i remember listening to you on the wire my first draft was yeah. no trend but at the time i had no gabriel either and of course in this video we're going to talk about the implications of no no jesus and the number one implication for me is that everybody will have an arsenal defender or many people will have an arsenal defender because the triple attack is now off the table yeah so it Unless, does push us into the same kind of draft correct because now if everybody has a gabriel pretty much most people have an Estupinian. That's one position left. Or if you wanted to go maybe one sub, you know, you could go to Chilwell, you could go Stone. So I don't really see a slot for Trent at the premium that you'll have to pay for him. If the fixtures were easy, I think people would make that sacrifice. So I think it's just pushing one more reason for people to say, maybe let's just go for this really sexy midfield and, you know, save a little bit in our defense. And then we'll see if Trent looks good. Then after game week eight, you wildcard when Liverpool's fixtures turn as well. It's funny because the first few drafts I did, it was easy for me to have either Salah or Trent. But then as I've got used to the more, you know, the 10th, 18th without them, it's actually, I find it impossible to to find the money without severely weakening weakening my bench and, and obviously my first 11. That's the thing. Once you Once you spend the money, it's hard to sort of collect it back. And that's what happens in our drafts as well. I mean, if Trent absolutely smashed it, let's say he gets two goals and assist and two clean sheets in the first three games, I think a lot of us will start panicking. And uh, it's just very hard to go back. But, you know, you have to sort of make your make your bet that you have gone a certain way. I think the pain will all, also be a lot easier, both with Salah and Trent, because they'll be lowly owned. I think the ownership should be 20-ish percent. So I guess it's fine because you'll think that, you know, I did miss out on these Salah or Trent points, but instead I've got a Bruno or I've got a Martinelli and, you know, in my cheap defense, I can get a Stones or an Estupinian or, or someone else who can match somehow as a combination. I guess that's the thinking. Yeah. And I suppose in previous seasons, the pain might have been doubled. Say you didn't have Trent and he did really well. I'd assume they kept a clean sheet and people would have Robertson, Allison, Van Dyke. I don't think anyone's going to have those players. No. I almost feel like the Liverpool clean sheet potential is just going to be what Trent, what Trent is or the ownership is just going to be what Trent is. Exactly. I heard you on the Scoutcast were talking about Robertson. Yes. I'm like, no chance. No I'd chance. Be, I mean, I've been it... talked out of it subsequently. Uh, but yeah, I'd no, just go I'd love, your thought, I'd love your thought on it, though. Is it because the defense is bad? Uh, I think it's a bad defense and his pricing, if he was five and a half, basically for me, he's equivalent to the other guys, Stones, Shaw, um, Chilwell, James, because average defense or it's a little bit better defense an equal attacking potential as maybe a James or a Chilwell. Maybe, I mean, I'm being generous to Robertson because I think yeah. he has slightly reduced in terms of his attacking threat. Now, he did take a corner, which was on Trent's side. This is another preseason nugget where Trent usually takes all the corners on the right-hand side, but the, with the assist to Van Dyke was a corner that Robertson took from that side. And I think it was Suboslai or, or McAllister who took the corner from the other side, or maybe Suboslai. So there was a little bit hint of confirmation bias that maybe Trent is off some set pieces, not all of them. Uh, but yeah, on Robertson, I'm completely off. I mean, for six and a half, I'm getting trippier if I had that money. Yeah, I, I've gone off. I mean, I had thought of it on the fly and part of it was to move move to trippier because they're the same price. Yeah. And it was just looking, because we've always got li much limited data in preseason, like I already mentioned. 
So just looking at heat maps, Robertson was getting touches in the box. I mean, not many. I think it was like five or six over, over three or four games. And Trent had no touches in the box. But obviously, that's not really unusual for Trent. And that's not what gives yeah. him you know, such great value. So, Correct. yeah. I'm I mean, probably... the inverted guys all uh, don't really have touches in the box. I think Zoff was talking about this on the wire as well. Like Stones has almost zero mm. touches in the box. But that's fine because they're on the periphery. So they might take the odd shot. They'll be good for a little mini cross to the to the central striker for an assist. So I think it's still fine. This is why penalty area touches are a bit rubbish anyway. Yeah, it's about got, XA. And that's why preseason games are tough because you haven't got the more advanced data. You have to Correct. really break it down a bit, you know, a little bit more. But talking about Trippier has segued us quite nicely into into the Newcastle games. Now Newcastle, they played well, they played five games already, and they've still got two more to go. I'm assuming because it's the fifth and sixth, they're going to play like an A team and a B team or. Correct. A combination Correct. of players, and they're both at St James's Park. But I mean, there's been one player to talk about for Newcastle in the in this preseason, hasn't there? With with Anderson. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know um, to what extent we can rely on that 4.5 nugget. I mean, personally, I'm going to talk about other 4.5 options because you need your 4.5 option is a guy who you need on a rainy day. And if your 4.5 option is going to be one where you're tempted to play him, you're going to be frustrated when they play and you, you've you subbed them, and that's not really what I particularly want from my 4.5. I'm a Nakamba guy any day. If you were to go for four in midfield, although again, speaking of what's now happened with Jesus' injury, another major implication of that will be that most teams will switch to five in midfield. Yeah, um, I agree with you on the 4.5s. It's like your two-point insurance, isn't it? And most seasons, your 4.5 is more like the Harrison Reed or Nakamba, who you mentioned. I mean, Harrison Reed from the pricing last year. Um, yeah. More than and, like Andreas we got last year, who was a, who was was a bit a, of a yeah. gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I do agree with that. But it's just funny how he scored seven goals when he's, he's never scored for Newcastle before um, before this you know, preseason tour. Um, exactly. Exactly. Has there been much else to talk about with, with Newcastle? There's not been, you know, if you're following like form, inverted commas, there's not been really many goals from other players. I mean, some Max Mann's left, for example, but no one was going for him anyway. Yeah, I think a couple of things that I wanted to discuss. So Anthony Gordon has started to see a little bit more minutes. Um, so he played 45-45 and then 90 minutes against Chelsea. And then he actually didn't show up against Brighton a couple of days later. So maybe he's somebody who could get more minutes. Not that I'm saying from an FPL point of view, because they've also signed um, uh, my favorite, Harvey Barnes. So he could be another one that that is a good shout for the left. Obviously, that has implications on Isak and Wilson, or Isak not playing much on the left. So he will share minutes with Wilson up top. So therefore, I think in terms of Newcastle attack, we're pretty much out. In terms of Newcastle defense, given the fixtures... I would say we're pretty much out unless you're talking about Botman. There could be some Trippier aficionados that start with him and nothing wrong with it. I mean, we've seen in the projections that, you know, Trippier after game week four is a complete beast because Newcastle's fixtures change a lot. Um, So apart from that, I think one last point I wanted to make on Newcastle is Livermento. They've just signed or they're expected to sign from Southampton. He plays on the right. So does that mean that Trippier gets the odd rest? Or Trippier plays on the left like he does for England and Livermento plays on the right because they have been looking for a left back, but they've ended up signing Livermento. So you could see a bit of that where Trippier plays on the left. Now, whether that changes anything or not, but the main style of Trippier is run on the channel, cross the ball, cross the ball, basically like a traditional David Beckham, right? You know, you know just keep crossing the ball. That's how he accumulates all these bonus and, and XA. 
And so will that change if he's on the wrong foot on the left? He'll have to sort of switch and then and then cross maybe. So I think it's a little bit of a question mark on Trippier. The bonus points is a really good point because he was such a large part of the, the value that he had, that he was an absolute monster for BPS. So yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I guess it tells you to avoid Dan Byrne as well. Um, yes, or oh, definitely. Yeah, because I guess Botman is, is the standout. I had a thought about Newcastle. It's not about the preseason games though. It's just, I was thinking back to, you know, that they've got more, you touched on it earlier, there's more going to be more injury time. And I know in the Women's World Cup, for example, they've had, you know, three or four minutes in the first half, maybe up to 10 minutes in the second half. So the games are going to be longer. I think that's when Newcastle played Arsenal and they did waste, you know, quite a lot, quite a lot of time. I wonder if teams like Newcastle could be, because they kept, obviously they were a defensive powerhouse last season. I think for XGC, they were only behind Man City. I wonder if that's going to have an impact. I mean, I know it's only, you know, a few minutes more. I know a few times last season they went, you know, heavily up. They went four or five nil up and subbed many of their defenders off. Trippier benefited from that for a few times. Just makes me wonder if Newcastle could be penalised more for it or if I'm just seeing it through, you know, I'm just remembering one game. The Arsenal game, right? It was the Arsenal game, yeah. Because I remember they said the ball was in play and it was a, really low number of minutes i mean I, I think it was almost 50 minutes or something i hope yeah. i'm not exaggerating i apologize newcastle fans if i am but it was it was low <laughs> yeah i think i think that's a fair point it could be the case but it could also be the case that the idea of these stoppage time penalties is that players or teams just learn mm-hmm. not to do it so it could be that the, the side effect could be that you know they they just don't do it anymore. The goalkeepers actually don't fall down every time they catch an easy ball across, or you know the players don't feel an injury more than they need to. The subs run off quicker. Maybe that's basically what they want to aspire to. So I'm a little bit skeptical in terms of how big of an impact this will be. You know, like how much what a big deal we made out of five subs. We were True. doing complete analysis on how many managers sub off at what times. Ultimately, it just means. Some players get subbed on a little bit more, but if managers want to give complete rest, then they give complete rest, five five subs or three subs. That's true. That's true. Maybe it's just me justifying to myself not having any Newcastle when, you know, last season you felt exposed, even if you only had two at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had to have two, two at an absolute minimum. I mean, I'm looking at share actually after game week four. I mean, if I can't get to Trippier, I think Cher's numbers were absolutely amazing. Yep. I know we're getting out of preseason, but I think Cher will be again amazing. And he's nailed and, uh, you know, that defense is good. So we need to have some piece of that pie. Yeah. And he was right up there with Gabriel last season for, for XG. I think the problem with Cher, his price at the start of the season rose so quickly when Botman's yeah. didn't. Botman's actually dropped. He dropped 4.4, so, yeah. yeah. So it actually became quite a tough decision to go Cher over Botman despite yeah. the difference in in xg but yeah so that's newcastle on to probably one of the most interesting teams um of this preseason because you know they they hopefully going to look completely different and that's chelsea um so they they played five five games this season in or preseason shall i say and the big news was well there was two big news weren't there there was james and chilwell played together yeah um and then Nkuku has got a knock i don't know if there's been an update on how long he's going to be out for i think they said that it would take a few days to to assess it last i saw anyway yeah yeah that's what i saw as well um i think in terms of preseason so a few things again seb covered it really well in scoutcast but in terms of preseason what we've learned is they're you know flat back four again uh, and instead of the five at the back that they're more used to but then james and chilwell are 
still very very attacking pochettino the way he plays fullbacks are a big part of the the attack so all of that still works in terms of the fullbacks being attacking Nkunku has played in various positions. He's played as the lone striker. He's played as a support striker, which we think will be his regular position. He's also played on the left. So what that tells me is Nkunku will pretty much be a mainstay when fit. Jackson has looked very impressive. A lot of Chelsea fans say he's been the most impressive in preseason. So Jackson basically, you know, he played 45, 28, 45 minutes, 45 minutes. And in the last game against Dortmund, he played 82 minutes. That shows that, you know, they're getting him up to speed to start. So you can say with fair certainty that Jackson will be their striker, especially with the Nkunku news, news, that he will be starting game week one against Liverpool. Question mark whether he's the mainstay striker going forward after five, six game weeks because you want that Chelsea striker for until game week eight till when they have the really, really good fixtures. And then obviously we don't know who's on penalties because they unfortunately got no penalties in this period. And we're all desperately hoping and praying that it's Nkunku if we have him in our team. Or it could be James, or it could be someone else. So, I guess that's that's where we are. Sterling disappointed a little bit. I mean, you're a Sterling fan. What did you think of his preseason? Yeah, I mean, I should say I've only watched only watched highlights of the game, and I am a big Sterling fan. But he does get fans get on his back, whether it's England fans, Chelsea fans, Man City fans. To, yeah, even Man City fans did it because he can be a very he's a very frustrating player to watch the way he plays because he he can lose the ball a lot. And I guess he just looks a bit different the way he runs and stuff. I don't know if that has a psychological impact on fans. But yeah, I'm worried about his minutes. I wouldn't be worried about him, you know, if he actually played. Um, and I knew he was going to get 80 minutes per game, for example. I would, I think I'd actually definitely go there. But we don't know. I mean, Chelsea could still sign more players as well. You know, Poch has come out and there's comments suggesting they could still bring in new players. Um, so that's something to watch, I guess, for Jackson and, and for Sterling as well. So, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go with any of the attackers to start with. I think I want to see a little bit more. The defenders I'm very interested in. It was interesting just looking at the sofa score um, heat maps. You can see, see that Chilwell was a lot more attacking. I mean, James was still attacking, but yeah. Chilwell seems to be well advanced. Obviously, it's only in this in this one game. But there has been talk of, you know, Poch liking to attack more. I think we talked about it a bit last week, didn't we? About Poch liking to attack more with one with one wing back or one full back. But correct, I correct. mean, I it, it could change as well, couldn't it? I mean, if they play, both play together, maybe because James's instincts are not going to be to sit back all the time. You know, he's not. <laughs> it could depend on which defender they face as well. If, you know, if it's a Van Bissaka on one side and... Um, let's say, I, although Luke shows a good defender, so let's say he's injured, Melassi on the other side, as an example, then clearly they will say, okay, James is the one that attacks and Chilwell sits back, or maybe they will play Cucurella. So I don't think it's set in stone, like you said, that we can just assume Chilwell will be more attacking than James. I think we're sort of spinning a narrative because of Chilwell being reasonably injury-free, uh, James still coming back. He got this little scare because he traveled late to the US, so that just spooked all the managers that this is what James can do. It can happen any game week. So I think there's a lot of us sort of telling ourselves that Chilwell is a better asset, but I think both are great. And I think there's no reason to say, I certainly think if I have the opportunity and I have the transfers, I do not rule out a Chilwell and James double up in game week three or four, right? And I think you heard, I heard you say that as well. Yeah, I, th I think at the moment, that's the way I'm leaning. Um, especially, if, I mean, Chelsea aren't going to have midweek games this year. And there is a risk with both of them, but I want to get the right one. I don't know which the right one is. They have good fixtures. They're both good FPL assets. It's kind of like, just why not both? 
Yeah. So you could. Yeah, it's just a shame they haven't. Well, maybe it's not a shame, but there's no more preseason games for Chelsea. That that was there. I, I actually noted that it's really yeah. strange. I mean, I think they have a closed doors friendly uh, that they're planning, but we're not going to see much. And I wanted to see one more game with James and Chilwell just to sort of see. Is it really true or was it one game? I know one extra game is not going to completely make up our minds, but it helps, right? One more sample to see the James and Chilwell dynamics, one more sample to see Jackson, one more sample to maybe get a penalty and then see who takes that penalty. So, but we're not going to get that. So um, it is what it is. And, and with Chelsea, I just wanted to say one other thing. I think if people overcommit on Chelsea, just keep in mind that you are also committing more and more to a game big nine wildcard. Now, I talked about this in a wildcard window on the wire where Chelsea's fixtures until game week eight are actually excellent. I mean, easily the best until game week eight. But after game week eight, they play Arsenal, Spurs and Man City in the next four. And in, in fact, Brentford as the fourth. So it's it the run really does toughen up. And so there'll be other assets. You could obviously go jump through transfers, but it you know it does push you a little bit more towards game week nine wildcard. Yeah, I mean, they are obviously they're a lot, lot cheaper than someone like Trent, for example. So, I mean, I think if I do that, it would almost be one of them would be my fourth defender. That mm. doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to play, you know, four at the back or five at the back. Could just be, you know, looking at those rotations. But yeah, sometimes when you can't decide between them, gamble and go for both. Maybe, maybe that's awful advice. Um, no, no, no. But, I, yeah. I think we're, we're deprived of attacking fullbacks this year or wing. I mean, is anyone playing five at the back that is worth looking at? I don't think so. None no. of the teams are so so the you know the whole wing back five at the back is dead at least in these big teams, and uh, and so we are deprived of good attacking fullbacks because either they're inverting like in Arsenal's and Man City's case, uh, so it's basically looking at Luke Shaw, Stupinian, James Chilwell, uh, a Trippier. These are the guys, and this that's why they're at the top of our mind for defense. Yeah, honestly, the the, the wire episode you did, I know it's two hours long, so I'd highly recommend that for defenders because you covered literally everything um yeah. but we'll move on to the next one so that's um that's going to be brighton talked about them a little bit on the scout cast just because the forwards i mean ferguson actually came out and said he said three forwards we're going to be rotating um Matoma in march we assume are nailed Estupinan, everyone everyone owns still i mean he's probably going to start the season but is he gonna you know if you're going to go for 10 15 game weeks with one goalie how confident would you be he's going to still be playing in, you know, game week 11 or 12, for example? What are you thinking about Brighton? Because they're obviously a brilliant team. Deserby's incredible. The fixtures are good, then they're bad. That's the problem. And um, look, I think I was a little bit... Um, a, we don't know the penalty taker, right? I mean, we think it'll be gross, but now we don't have a nailed attacking player that will take penalties which, you know, McAllister was was a good example, or other teams, you know. Obviously, when we talk about Brighton, we have to talk about Brentford because Mbumo is in the same bracket. We have to talk about Crystal Palace. Eze is in the same bracket. And those two guys are on penalties. So that sort of dents the appeal of March and Mitoma and the fact that their fixtures really, really turn. I think I've talked about this quite a bit in terms of what happens after the first three game weeks. They go on on a run of basically playing Newcastle, Man United, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Man City. And there's Bournemouth in the middle as well, which is obviously good. But so you really need to have an exit plan, I think, for for Brighton, unless you can hide that player as a first sub, like stupid, and maybe you can in some games. So look, I think Brighton are still an amazingly attacking team, but they are now preparing for life where they will play in Europe. 
So they have got almost a B team in attack where every player is at the risk of an odd missing of a game or an early sub. We just have to live with that. And so their X minutes will come down substantially. Whether they're good assets, even with those reduced X minutes is another question. And I think at the moment I'm on the fence. Yeah, they're, they're a tough one. They're a tough one to decide on. And you mentioned Gracie's on, we assume he'd be on penalties, but then in the preseason friendlies, he's been playing at right back um, yeah. occasionally as well. So <laughs> that, that's a bit of a downside when you've got a you know, midfielder playing, playing at right back. As good as penalties are, he's, he's not McAllister. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing about goalkeepers you mentioned, I think, again, I mentioned on, on the wire pod that I, I like Steel the most in 4.5s only because high position team, their XGC is the best out of the other 4.5s that we're looking at. Maybe Crystal Palace is similar. But the problem is uh, Steel played one game 90 minutes, the Brentford one, and then Verbruggen played 90 minutes against Newcastle. So even though we're getting a hint that Steel is looking good, he even got the assist in that game against Newcastle. Um, sorry, against Brentford. We just don't know. We just don't know unless Deserby comes and says that Steele is going to be my number one. And let's say even he says that. One mistake and then Verbruggen comes back because they've signed him. I mean, it's not like a Sanchez situation where Steele has basically taken over the position and and that's made his own. Now he's basically genuinely competing for the position with Verbruggen. So that makes me a little bit more skeptical which maybe makes him not as appealing on the 4.5 bracket. As I said, until until and unless Deserby says he's number one. I've never known so much doubt about goalkeepers in pre-season because we didn't even mention under Chelsea that Sanchez is on his way to Chelsea as well, just to put that Correct. little bit of doubt over. He's not 4.5 million, but put that little bit of doubt over, over Kepa, for example. Sanchez is 4.5, so that could be also interesting. Yeah, that could become well what Kepa became last year, like exactly. an underpriced goalkeeper for a, you know for a good team. Yep. Yeah, I've never known such yeah upheaval with goalkeepers, and it feels like the only really established Premier League goalkeepers. I mean, Pickford, they've got good fixtures. I mean, I know we're not talking about Everton, but he's an established goalkeeper. He's not going to get dropped anytime soon. But yeah, I've swayed away from Brighton. Um, we better move through these swiftly. So we're on to on to Man City now. We've had three preseason games. Probably been paying a bit more attention to these than some of the some of the other games. Looking at you know where Foden's playing, etc. One. Not that I actually care where Foden's playing. As, as funny as it sounds, whether he's playing in the eight role or if he's playing, you know, on the right or on the left, I just want to see Foden getting minutes personally. Right. Um, De Bruyne hasn't had any preseason minutes yet at all. Has he not even a minute? I don't even think he's had a minute. You're right, actually. Yeah, I don't know why I thought because he's been on the bench. I keep thinking that he's getting some minutes. You're right. He's not had yeah. a single minute. Hasn't actually come yeah. on. So I mean, they've got the community shield, haven't they, at, at the weekend? Yeah. So maybe he get a run out run out then um, and obviously with Mares actually leaving as well what would your prediction be for Foden's minutes I, I know we haven't got a t two hour slot to discuss it but <laughs> well the thing is now Bernardo Silva looks to be staying at least from whatever we're reading and he's got decent minutes he's played 30 then 71 against Bayern Munich 54 against Atletico Madrid so he's getting he's the third highest in fact in terms of number of minutes in preseason so as long as Bernardo Silva is there he could play with De Bruyne in the middle he could play on the right. So that's one position that's always going to be tricky. Um, and, you know, Palmer played a little bit on the right. Look, I think Foden, I like him and I would have him in my team. But I would like it even more if he plays the Gundogan role because that just means that it cements his position a little bit more. Unfortunately for him, Grealish has made the left position his own. So yeah. he's not playing much on the left unless Grealish needs a break because Pep absolutely loves him. With the inverted thing, 
this is what we were discussing basically with the inverted stones role you cannot give the ball away uh, on you know so so you need your wingers to not only hold width but also control possession there and that's why liverpool are a little bit of a team that will keep conceding chances even if they invert because trent is out of position salah is trying to dribble loses the ball and then they're suspect to, at at the back pep doesn't like that grealish is amazing at basically keeping the ball bernardo silva is amazing at keeping the ball so if foden does a good job i think he'll get minutes and then i'm i'm very interested um and and so i think he will in the community shield and that's going to be the game where we'll get a better understanding of the first 11 it could be a punt slot it's a good point you make actually the how the i guess the position because i hadn't thought about how the position he plays in could then affect affect the minutes i just had in my head i just want him playing no matter what but i guess you're actually giving a reason you know why him playing in that position would would be good if he's only on the right i like him a little bit less i mean look at grealish again right he was great as a player but not great as an fpl pick a lot of people went okay. there um end of the season he's good on xa i mean he will create the chance but if you're paying 8 million or last season i think it was 7 and a half or something this year they're 7 and a half again or 7 it, you need goals you need goals from midfielders and there's so many other midfielders who will get goals you know the arsenal boys the man united boys you don't have to go for an assist machine you can actually go for a goal machine in the pricing that we have so I want goals from Foden, and I think he'll get more if he's playing centrally. Yeah, I agree on Grealish. He did feel a bit more like the old school coverage. I mean, I know he was nailed in in an attacking position, and I guess with in the City team, if you're going to get an assist every game, that could only be five or six points. So, I mean, while that's while that's pretty good, it's I don't think it's the explosiveness you're, you're thinking he's going to do. Um, but yeah, so that's City. We move on because we a quick, quick, quick one oh, actually yeah. just on City to complete. So Kovacic has played forty-five, forty-five, and then the last one he only played thirty-six. So a lot of people think he's Kovacic is just going to walk into the team and take uh, you know Gundogan's position. I'm skeptical because Pep has a record of you know taking time with new signings, even if they're from the Premier League. I mean, uh, you know, look at Grealish for example yeah. in his first season, and and there are many, many examples. So Cancelo um, as well. Kovacic could take some time, and therefore that's the reason why people are interested in uh, in attack. And then your favorite boy, I had to mention him, Rico Lewis. Apparently, he's going to oh. play in midfield a little bit more, right? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. There was there was a yeah, it was a tweet the other day. I can't remember the source, but it did look it did look quite legit. It was a slightly reputable account, anyway. Um, so yeah, they were suggesting he could be playing more in mid- midfield, more in attacking role, and purely because I owned him because he was cheap. But you know, I did get. To, you know, I was watching him closely in like the Leeds game, etc. We talked about him a bit last week, but yeah, he's yeah. so attacking. And actually, if you look at the Man City players for last season and sort them by XGI, or I think it was XGI, he he was top of all all City defenders. Um, nice. Obviously, nice. again, a small sample, but small sample. if we get a team leak that Rico Lewis is playing against Burnley, I'm gonna. I'm going to struggle not to do it as my fifth midfielder. I'm going to recommend you not to do it. I know, I know. <laughs> you want your city players for longer, not just. But yeah, I guess it's fine if it's really short term and you can just hide on your bench after that. Otherwise, the alternative is Edison. But again, we won't get into Edison yet. We'll save that for next week. <laughs> There's some very, very uh, early rumors on Stones having some hamstring issues. So watch out for that. I mean, it's only on City fan forums, so nothing to alert anyone. But just look out for that. Stones is very popular right now uh, as a pick. But maybe people will have to think again if he's out of the community shield, for example. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, if he's out for a while, to go to go back to Rico Lewis again seamlessly, and let's say, for example, Walker does end up leaving, that Rico Lewis can play in that in that Stones role. He could. He could. So it's honestly, I'm so excited about this week. You know, all the stuff that's going to come out, and yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. What are the odds of Edison being in your team? Oh, 
I don't know. I I'm, I flip flop because there's no point getting the clean sheet if they're not playing, and they are the best defense in Europe. Like I think that's there's no doubt about that. So high, I think, because I'm not that hot on Anana, for example. So I'd rather pay the 0.5 more, if, you know, if I was going to go there. I'd say 50-50. Like, I'm really sitting on the fence here. What, what, what about you? Honestly, today I put him in my team and then oh. I removed him. Um, because, yeah, I have the same logic. When you see Stones not in the squad and then you think, for 0.5 more, I can get Edison and Shaw instead of Onana and Stones. And Shaw is still super attacking. So you still get the City clean sheets. But then some, you know sense comes back into my head where even if Edison keeps two more clean sheets than Onana or Steele or, you know, Johnston, he could still have fewer points than them. So you still have to sort of think about, forget about City defense coverage. Edison is just on a sole basis, not as good on a points basis because he'll get no saves, no no bonus. So just, yeah, I'm unlikely to do it. He did make a lot more sense when City had the doubles. I know, I know it didn't pay off, but that made, yeah, a lot more sense. So, yeah, that's why I'm 50-50. I think if I've got money left over, I'm more than happy to chuck him in. Yeah. For that for that extra point, um, 0.5. But most likely I'm going to go for a 4.5 keeper. Um, and I'm so not against, to segue into Man United as well, not to keep picking on Anana, but I think I'd rather rotate goalkeepers, you know, with that extra 0.5. Um, I mean, I think Onana should do better than the 4.5s, in my in my opinion. Because in the first eight game weeks, again, if that's your wildcard horizon, there's five home games. And home form for Man United was very, very good. So I know there's some tougher games in that period, but five home games is decent. And then even if you don't believe in this you know, bonus potential or whatever, I think there'll be some saves there. So I think he, for me, in the first eight game weeks, he's as good as any 4 or better than any 4.5. But then if you have a longer term horizon and you want to have money left over for some transfers and you want to save the 0.5, that 0.5 can make, can get you some extra points, then I think I can also understand 4.5. I think there is something there in, in the in the bonus thing. Because, I mean, Baker, 3-4-3, he put together, I mean, it was, again, it was only one game, but he worked out what the bonus points would be in, in one of your friendlies. And he absolutely wiped the floor with Shaw. Again, it's a friendly, it's, you know, a small sample, etc. So I, I can see the... Can see the appeal. Um, I've just I've pretty set my mind up. I'm not not going to do it. Um, it's going to be Edison or Edison or cheap. I think. Do you know this is where the fan in me also comes into it? Like I absolutely cannot watch the Man United game knowing that their defense is like ninety percent EO or eighty percent EO, and I don't own them. Like it's I just don't like it. So whenever a Man United player becomes popular, I maybe I convince myself, or if I think that if it's a good pick, then I just pick it. Because ultimately, we're football fans as well, right? So no, it's true. I just want, and I, you know, we all say it that we separated the FPL from our uh, from our fandom, and it helps obviously if your team isn't in the Premier League. But to me, I'm happy to pay the 0.5 to enjoy the Man United games a little bit more. I can understand that. I think sometimes the problem I have is because Man United fans can be quite vocal about, or any fans about their own players. If I hear, say, a player's quite good and I hear this player's essential, this player's essential, like talking about Anana, for example, yeah. there's part of me that wants to think of the reasons he's not essential and be like a bit more level-headed about it. But then maybe I can go the whole other way because it's like you're sort of being told what to do. And it's like, no, well, this isn't 100% correct. It's not as definitive right. as you say. But then teams like Man United, if you go against them, the EO goes so high, 
you can be really punished. And sometimes I wish I was a Man United fan. Well, you know, when like Bruno goes on a streak of scoring a penalty every week for a month. It works both ways. I mean, I had I suffered with Shaw and Bruno for the last 12 game weeks last season. I think some many people did, frankly. It wasn't all Man United fans. But sometimes it doesn't work and, and, and you know, it, it backfires. But it, that's that's the life of supporting your team and playing FPL. And, and, and you almost wish that they're not in the title race or they're not as good a team from an FPL point of view. But the fan in you obviously want them to do really well. Well, I've had very little exposure to supporting a team for FPL. I think I had it one season, maybe two. Right. <laughs> no, I think it was only one. But um, yeah, so we're on Man United. You've had a lot of preseason games. Yeah, and, you've still and got there's two more. And I'm very glad that I'm actually going to the the, the lens one, the, the one at Old Trafford on Saturday. I'm taking my son to Old Trafford for the first time. So looking forward to that. But it might also be Hoyland's debut, actually, uh, because he's, I think they're saying that he's, he's passed the medical and the contract's been signed. Not officially, but through, obviously, Fabrizio. But in terms of our preseason, I think what I would say is they've tried Sancho at false nine. And we may see more of that, even though Hoyland's been signed, simply because Hoyland's not ready. I mean, he's going to start, I think, every other game or get a sub on 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe start and get 45 or 60 minutes. So I think they will take their time with Hoyland. What that means is that Sancho might start false nine. Rashford might start up top in some games. Um, The other talking point used to be Mount versus Bruno. I think that's been put to bed quite convincingly. Mount's been the one who's been further back. Now, that doesn't mean Mount doesn't get forward, but I think Bruno clearly is doing what Bruno does, which is being which is being more, more attacking. There was one game where Bruno played on the right. It didn't really work. So I would expect, you know, this to come back um, because he was trying Ericsson, or actually it was Menu, but then er- he got injured. Then Ericsson played there. They were trying Mount in the number 10 and, and, and uh, Bruno Fernandes on the right. Now, that was a tough game. Um, and so maybe that was just one of those things because that was Real Madrid. Whatever the case, I think Bruno's an excellent pick. And for me, I would even argue if Rashford plays number nine, then Bruno's a better pick because Rashford is not the best number nine. He's actually much better coming off the left like he does for England, like whenever he does for Man United. He's much, much better. He's not the best when he's leading the line and holding up the ball. He's rather the, a, a better runner. So I would say Bruno great, Rashford great. Um, and everything else is 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 fine. Shaw was very attacking as well, by the way. So people are convincing themselves that Onana is a better pick. That's simply because we don't have space for Shaw with all these other attacking fullbacks that we talked about. But Shaw is still a good pick. Is Shaw ever going to play left centre back this season, or is it? Or, no, that's no, those days because, behind him. Well, two reasons. One, Martinez is now fit, so yeah. there's no need to. Martinez is a machine. He'll he'll continue to play. And the second reason, as actually end of the season, Lindelof played there. And he did really well as well. So with Lindelof uh, in the team, Maguire uh, can play as backup to to Varane, and Lindelof can play backup to Martinez. You also we have also signed Johnny Evans actually from Leicester. Not many people know it's on a short term deal, I didn't know but that. he's also there. Um, so there is there is quite a bit of backup. How old is Johnny Evans now? Like thirty seven. Okay, he's younger than me then. <laughs> I, I've had to check here. Oh, he's no thirty five. Is he thirty five? Thirty five, according to yeah. according to Wikipedia. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually know that, but um, yeah. Um, I mean, I can't really add much to what you've just said about Man United. You know, it's your team. I'm more than happy, despite what I've said about Anana. I'm dead set on having Bruno and Rashford. It was almost a Chilwell and James situation at first. I just couldn't decide between them. Um, I think Bruno was edging it for me just because of the penalties. That's always one of 
best tiebreak. Well, he has the two tiebreakers. He's got the minutes and he's got the penalties. So, but I'm I can't see a world I don't have both. I think if I drop if I did drop one for any reason, it would be Rashford. But I'd be I'd be nervous there. I would I'd be really yeah. nervous not having him. He's a high ceiling player, and if he's yeah. high owned. He can ruin your early start. He won't ruin your season, but he can ruin your mentally. He could, you know, if you fall back very early, it's not great. So, um, yeah, and and I see in the chat uh, there's a, there's a Man United fan, Manchester United. He's saying Holland's Holland's done a full preseason. I agree, but I think bec- even though he's fit, he's not just going to throw him in the deep end. He's a young player, so I think he'll get his he'll 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 get a slower start. Not put too much pressure on him. Um, he's a big signing. Eventually, he'll take the number nine, but it, I don't think he's start, starting straight away. Imagine he has a start like Martial. It was Martial who scored in his best the couple of games. against was, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine a start like that. That then, then we've got a Jesus replacement. I mean, he's also. I mean, I expect him to be seven, seven and a half. So actually, it'll be a good price point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's still not got. Yeah, because of course he's not been priced yet, has he? He's not official yet. Yeah. No, no. Um, and then the final team. So we are. We've gone over what we aim to do. We had a couple of people um, time-wise reminding us beforehand. Have we? Okay. I think we've got Arsenal to go. And I think Arsenal, that segues nicely into the big news that Jesus is injured. A player we... I mean, I don't think either of us are going to go without him. Game week yeah. one. No, unless something like this happened. Absolutely. I'm I'm absolutely gutted. Because, you know, basically, I my differential from the template was triple Arsenal attack. And now that Jesus is out, You've, you've basically been, you cannot get triple Arsenal because you can get maybe three midfielders, but you also want other midfielders. So you've technically been taken out that, that triple attack isn't viable. Now, unless Inketia becomes an option, now we don't know this. I mean, we'll watch the community shield. Inketia could play up top, and that's what he did in the friendly last night. But the problem is Trossard could play there, Havertz could play there. So even if Inketia starts in the community shield, am I 100% that he's going to nail down his place and start the next seven, eight game weeks when Arsenal have an excellent run? No. So I'm going to hesitate on Inketia even if he starts the community shield. And so what this ripple effect of this is, you can't get triple Arsenal attack. You have to get a defender or if you want to because Gabriel is such great value. One slot in defense is now completely template, which is Gabriel. Second thing it's happened is most people have Saka already. If you want triple Arsenal, a second Arsenal mid has become template as well. Whether you go Martinelli or Odegaard, we're back to the old discussion. But So it's almost said, instead of being different in your Arsenal slots, you could go triple attack, you could go two midfielders and a defender, you could go attacker, midfielder, defender. Everyone will have the same three. That's why I'm really disappointed. I mean, what, what does that mean for your team on, and, on what's happened with Arsenal? I mean, you've just said it. I mean, I've just realised we had very... Well, we didn't have very different. We both had Saka and we both had Jesus. Then I had Gabriel, you had Martinelli. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're going to get Gabriel and I'm going to get Martinelli. That would that would be a pretty... And we're going to have the same three, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, I agree with you there because the, I think they're the standout best best picks to go for. I can understand people want to take a punt on Trossard or Nketiah. Actually, can I? I think I'd need some really compelling evidence. And I guess you can go through all the games last season when Nketiah was injured, when Jesus was injured and piece together the most likely scenario. But it still feels like a huge risk because things can change. You know, it's a, it's a whole new season. I think Martinelli, I mean, you had him already. I think he was a safe enough, safe enough pick anyway because he's yeah. got a high ceiling. His minutes are still going to be fairly good. 
they might be very very good so i think his value's just gone up from being pretty good anyway yeah gabriel does seem like a no-brainer at the back i think the i mean we talked about him earlier he's he had the highest xg for defenders you know he's up there with sure he was just behind him yep so yeah i hadn't thought about how it's going to make it boring but maybe maybe i'm thinking some people would try and be a bit more exciting or think they're going to be a bit more exciting and then at the last minute we're going to all end up on the same three well, look, I mean, I did try an Inketia draft today. So it's not that I'm ruling out Inketia completely. Yeah. Let's say he starts against City, scores a brace, right? What that means is we will overplay, obviously, that Inketia is amazing. I think what it means for me is minutes. That if he's scoring well, looking good, and let's say Arsenal win against Man City. I'm just playing a scenario in my head. And Inketia scored a brace. So in the two games where Jesus has been out, he started both of them up top. He scored in both of them. What it means is you can rely on him to start the next couple, maybe the next three, because he's done well in that position. Um, so if you can have a structure where you have basically 12 good players and one of them is Inketia, you can afford Inketia losing his spot in a game and then it's not an emergency problem. So I, I did look at a structure where we I had four good defenders, I had five good midfielders, and I had two attackers, Haaland and Nketiah. And I think that structure could work because now you have 12 good players. But of course, when Nketiah loses his spot or if he, he loses his spot, you're down to two Arsenal players and now you need to fix your team. It's not ideal, but I can see people punting if that happens. Do you know what? I can see the crossover now with you advising me not to go for Rico Lewis. Going for Nketiah could be the same thing. You're basically blocking, exactly. off, yeah, you're blocking off a spot. Um, but we, I put on this on the screen the XGI non-penalty from from last season for Arsenal players, and I mean you can see Jesus and Nketiah. You know if they have you know ninety minutes, they were you know the top two. Jesus for people listening, one hundred and twenty nine. Every one hundred and twenty nine minutes, he's getting an expected goal involvement. Nketiah was one hundred and thirty three. Then it drops all the way down to Martinelli at one seventy. So you can see playing that position for Arsenal is good, but like you say, mm. it's those minutes, and I don't think I'm prepared to risk it. When, when Martinelli's so good. And then yeah. Saka's gone, Sorry. his stock has gone sky high this week. You know, people are talking, Andy Martin's in the chat. He's talking about captaining him, for example. Oh, he is. Andy Martin has switched to Analytics FC, has he? I think so. Or he thinks he invented Analytics FC because he, he tweeted about it before. I mean, in case he doesn't know, on certain models, uh, Saka is higher than uh, Haaland in game week one and game week three, I think, right? Yep. So, um, so, yeah. Are you going to do it? I can't do it. No chance. No chance. I mean, I have gone through the pain of Game Week 9 last year with Salah captaincy, um, and I'm not going to do it. I mean, not too, not too early in the season. And the thing with Arsenal is there are still other teams. I don't see Saka as a talisman. I'm, I'm, you know, he is on penalties. There is some doubt, though, because Havertz took a fantastic penalty last night, by the way. I don't know if you saw. Then yeah. Jorginho has been decent in penalties. Saka has missed a couple now. So I'm not taking the punt that Saka gets a penalty and he doesn't take it or he misses it or he's looking more peripheral and Martinelli gets the brace. Haaland is Haaland. I'm going with Haaland. No, I, I can get that. I mean, I, say say Saka wasn't on penalties. I'll, I'll still have him in my team. I think he's that good. We covered it on, on ScoutCast oh, on, on Monday. Definitely. But I guess, yeah, it, it's like, I guess then it becomes the captaincy debate because I think penalties are what puts him in you know, or could put him in, the, you know, the elite tier, you know, along with like Salah, along with Haaland, along with Kane. I think you almost have, you have to have penalties to be in that tier. 
consistently. I mean, his minutes are good as well. He'll play 99 yeah. minutes or 98 minutes now consistently. So, uh, yeah, I think he's the standout pick. And I think na- if his ownership was going to be 70%, now it's going to be 90% or 85%, in, at least in the elite tier, maybe even higher. So I think that's a no-brainer. But captaincy, yeah, I'm skeptical. I wanted to uh, wanted to address also another point. There's been this narrative that Martinelli is not that great when Jesus is uh, out. So when he plays with Enketia, I personally put zero value on that because it's such a short, small sample size. We don't know who the opposition was, you know, how Martinelli was feeling at the time. Are you putting anything in that in terms of how he plays with Nketiah versus not with the, or with Jesus? So, so the stats I saw, and this wasn't me being biased, were that Saka was better. His output, I haven't looked at his underlying data, but I saw that his output was actually better when Jesus wasn't in the team. It does ring a bell. Like It is a small sample, but it does ring a bell. He's got in two games and his output becomes better. You know, yeah. it was like five <laughs> or six games. But now you, you're with me, right? I mean, maybe the data shows it, but... Are we going to buy that narrative or are we just going to ignore and get Martinelli anyway? Yeah, I'm st- I'll still go for Martinelli because he's done it so consistently, you know, over a long, longer period of time. I, I really like Martinelli. Um, I still regret selling him last season for Odegaard. Um, I know there was logic. It, it made sense, but he's just he's just so good. I mean, I've just seen, again, to mention Andy Martin, he's mentioned he's got three um, Arsenal midfielders. <laughs> You could go with that structure as well. I, I did think of that, but then you're basically sacrificing an Mbumo, Eze, or a Mitoma yeah. because then you have all it, or you or you don't have Bruno Fernandez or Rashford. So I just don't like that sacrifice. No, I agree because uh, yeah, now now in the post Jesus era, I want to have those two Arsenal mids. I, I want to have the two Man United mids. Can't afford Salah, so you're mm. so you're right. Yeah, then you've only really got that one spot. I mean, you say Salah. I mean, if Inketia becomes an option, now we're going to deep punt territory. If Inketia becomes an option, that does free up money from your forward line. You could upgrade a Rashford to a Salah, you know, find a couple of more, a million more somewhere. So there could be a little bit of uptick in Salah's ownership if basically, you know, like we were take, we were saying in Jao Pedro's case, if he becomes a nailed option at Brighton, now we, we're not saying he is, that would mean Salah's ownership goes up because people can afford Salah because of this enabler. And Keche could be that enabler as well. Yeah, I, th- I think the way to get the way to get Salah in would be to go not massive at the back, but to spend money on you know four or five good defenders. Yeah, and just tank that, tank the uh, third forward spot. Get your second striker as cheap as possible. So yeah, I think you're right. Um, obviously, someone like Carlton Morris is being taken away because they blank in game week two, five point five. But yeah, it would be the way to to get Salah in. Would be yeah, second striker to have as cheap as possible, but still playing. So yeah, they're probably the kind of players we'd be looking at. But is there enough time before game week one to make that decision? No, I think I think Liverpool's ownership is going to be low. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, Ketia could do anything in that, yet you wouldn't be certain. So it is you're getting into deep punt territory, and I personally will unlikely to go there. And then so what's going to happen is people will have a striker for similar amounts. So it could be Nkunku if he's fit. It could be Ollie Watkins. Obviously, in tonight's friendly, he, he missed a penalty, but then he scored a goal. Aston Villa are just a good team anyway. Even though the fixtures, I don't love Newcastle away, Chelsea away, Liverpool away in the first five. But look, Watkins is central to everything they do. So he's a decent, or I should say he's a good option. I would have definitely preferred Jesus if he was fit. I would maybe even prefer Nkunku because I don't like Watkins' first first game, basically right. away to Newcastle. 
So I would just start with Nkunku, who plays Liverpool, and then has a fantastic run after that, if he's fit. And so the implications to this Jesus injury is, again, we're getting narrowed down to second striker Nkunku or Watkins. Your midfield is, I think, Bruno Rashford, Martinelli, Saka, or Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, and then a 6.5 mid. And then you have your five and five and a half million defenders. So unfortunately, it's narrowed down the pool quite significantly. The template's getting a lot, a lot stronger. And by stronger, boring. Um, but I don't think it's something we should fight against. Like, I think I used to want to try and fight against it, but I, think, I guess we've just got to embrace it. There's yeah. going to be some good opportunities to pivot, you know, in game weeks two, three, four. Well, not necessarily game week two, but three and four look big. Game week five as well, we mentioned with the Spurs players. So maybe we're going to have a very, very template start. Maybe everyone's going to have the same 11 players. I mean, let's see. It's Things can change in an instant. Like this Jesus injury has made it more um, concentrated. Other things could make it more diverse. If Kane leaves, Richarlison and Son become options. Uh, you know, if there's another injury or if in the City game, another player puts their hand up, let's say Foden does really well. Now suddenly you can't fit Martinelli, so it changes stuff. So we'll see. I mean, obviously new information will come, but every time there is new information, there is a there is a convergence towards a, a set template. And look, I agree with you. It's, it is what it is. I genuinely think that this year the games will come between game week 9 and game week 30 because that's the period where there's no wildcard to build people out. I mean, most people would have played their wildcard, but then so people will drift in terms of you know where they go with the transfers post wildcard so between wildcard 1 and wildcard 2 is going to be where all the gains are going to be made this season at least in my view yeah uh, that, again that i mentioned you the defender pod but the the wildcard windows was it called wildcard windows wildcard yeah, yeah, yeah. Wildcard, windows. wildcard windows were really good as well but you've just just got me thinking and we are running out of time that you know obviously things could change i mean if harland gets injured oh man that would be great sorry not well, to wish injury on anyone well we'd all get Salah. <laughs> but there's no midfield spot Oh, of course. But there'd be no strikers. There'd be no strikers. So it would, it would, we'd get Trent. I think we'd get Trent or we'd get Salah and lose out on a Bruno and maybe get Shaw. But yeah, I mean, we, we no need to speculate. This is I mean, really we'll speak next Thursday. Well, yes, that's the, that's the big one. I'm re- I, honestly, I, I could talk for another hour right now, but we said we'd keep it short so people can listen on their commute to work. And then... Indeed, indeed. I mean, we've got 625 people watching if you can hit the like button if you can subscribe to the channel there's good content now pretty much every evening we've got scout cast we've got general's orders we've got burning questions we've got deadline dilemmas we've got that the neil famous uh, you know the press conference uh, uh, reaction so lots to come so if you can hit the subscribe button that would really appreciate it yeah there's lots of good stuff and yeah thanks everyone for all the really nice comments on the, on the video last week it's quite rare i didn't see a single negative one which was which was really nice. People were really glad to have you back, Praz. And you, and you. And Long me, made but mainly you. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I love watching um, you on, on Scoutcast last year and I'm enjoying these I'm, and I'm really looking forward to next week. But Likewise, likewise. We'll, we'll discuss our teams next week on where we are. It'll be the day before the deadline. So yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, I think I'm going to be pretty much locked in because obviously working all day Friday, um, I got scarred for making a last change, late change last year by taking out Mitrovic. So I think I might be set on next pod. Although I'm sure you'll try and try and twist my arm on a couple of things. Well, and... we'll see when Pochettino says James is completely fit. I'll try to convince you. Yeah. Well, if James are you not coming completely... to fest? By the way, I might be. I might okay. be. I I am going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Excellent. Yeah. But yeah. But um. Yeah. No. Thanks everyone for joining us. Nice speaking to you, Praz. And we'll be Thank back you. next Thursday, 9 p.m. in the UK.
Okay.